cancer, diabetes, obesity, hypertension and asthma are all examples of non-communicable diseases and sadly these diseases are the leading cause of death globally. But do they really affect us here in Africa and are Africans really living with these diseases? Find out here at the African NCD Champions Podcast as we share incredible stories of Africans living with non-communicable diseases. My name is Ogweno Steven and I'll be your host. Let's roll! Right, thank you very much for agreeing to come and uh, talk to us today about uh, experiences with uh, NCDs, non-communicable mm-hmm. diseases, and COVID-19, mm-hmm. and how it went through. Um, but before we go into the details, which uh, should be exciting, let's hear a bit of an introduction. Uh, what's your name? What do you do? What's your relationship with NCDs? Mm-hmm. And then we'll pick it up from there. Thank you for having me. My name is Joan Wangare. I'm a pancreatic cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2011. Uh, it's now close to 12 years. Mm-hmm. I underwent surgery and chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, I was declared cancer-free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm also uh, the founder of a group called Hope on Fit. Mm-hmm. It's a community-based organization where we do support group, where we support living with cancer mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um, let's talk about uh, your experience before you were cancer free what is the experience like when you got the when you got pancreatic cancer how did you know how did it present and mm-hmm. then walk us through the process up to when you're declared free of cancer now? okay uh, it was in 2011 I was very young I was in my mid-twenties mm-hmm. uh, my life was going on well I had a bright future but now uh, in this particular day I found that I was not unwell I was not I was not feeling everything was not okay Mm -hmm. Uh, I was feeling like I was tired when I was waking up in the morning then I had this bloatness and jaundice Mm -hmm. and I was wondering what was happening like a typical Kenyan, I went to a nearby, I didn't go to the hospital, I went to a nearby pharmacist, mm-hmm. took some pills because I was itching. Mm-hmm. That's what made me go to sick. Uh, maybe some, uh, that's when I went mm-hmm. to, to, pills to, and yeah. to see if you can solve the itch. Yeah, the itchiness. Mm-hmm. But that one didn't solve. That's when I decided to go to the hospital because mm-hmm. the itching was too much. I was I could itch at the palm of my hands, mm-hmm. especially here. I would even scratch on a wall when I was passing by. Mm-hmm. It was so severe such that I could not sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I could even cry. I was wondering what was happening. Mm-hmm. By now, I was I had already lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Even my neighbors could recognize, even they were asking, what is happening with you, Joan, of late? But I had no answer. My appetite was down. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, I didn't know what was happening. I went to the hospital. I was misdiagnosed at first because the same, the the first step I took when I went to a public hospital, Mm -hmm. I was living at the coasts by then. Uh, what they did, they just gave me some pills to eat. They thought it was an allergy to something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which didn't go away. After, after several 
misdiagnosis. At some point, I was diagnosed with uh, hepatitis C. Mm -hmm. I was told it, it was hepatitis because I had jaundice. Mm -hmm. My eyes had turned. Everything was yellow. Mm -hmm. So they thought it was hepatitis. Mm -hmm. When I went and took the pills, they didn't work. Mm -hmm. But uh, by God's grace, at a certain hospital, they discovered that I had a mass because I was feeling bloatness. So they, at first they did the blood test, mm -hmm. full hemogram, but find nothing in my blood. Mm -hmm. uh, they decided to do a, a, an ultrasound. That's when they discovered that I had a mass in my pancreas. Mm -hmm. uh, then I, I went to several tests from MRI, CT scan, that's when they were certain that it was a pancreatic mass. That's what they called it before. So after that, I had to travel from coast because by then there were no major treatment that could have been done there because they told me the mass was so big. Even they were like, it cannot even happen in Kenya. But when I came to Nairobi, I was taken to Nairobi Hospital surgery was done, a uh, major surgery. Then after a month, because they had to take the specimen for the tests, mm -hmm. then after a month, after a month the results came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was uh, malignant, mm -hmm. the, the tumor that I had, it was malignant with the, some of, part of my pancreas was removed, mm -hmm. the tail, and also spleen was also removed mm -hmm. during the, the surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, uh, after that, mm -hmm. after a month, I was waiting, maybe I go back to my usual uh, business mm -hmm. and my usual life, but that was not to happen by then. Mm -hmm. That's when they told me I had to stay in Nairobi. By then in Mombasa there were no a lot of nini, a lot of treatment like chemotherapy it was not found in public hospitals, maybe the private ones and it was very expensive. So I had to stay here. I was put on chemo. That's when I went to Kenyatta Hospital. That's where my chemotherapy was done. From 2012 up to 2014 I did 18 sessions of chemotherapy. And uh, in 2014, I was declared cancer-free. Mm. Yeah. How was the feeling? Ah, I felt so good because it was something traumatizing because I was very young. Mm. I had not seen anybody with cancer. I had, I had not seen anybody with that history even in my family. Mm -hmm. So it was devastating. Uh, even during the process of treatment, mm -hmm. I was so down, I didn't know how to cope with it, even the mental health, mm -hmm. because by then, like now we have so much, we have so much people supporting, support groups, but mm -hmm. during the time, there were no support groups that I had known, I didn't know anybody who had cancer, so I thought I was going to die, mm -hmm. but what I did, I went to a church and I became part of it, that's where I got consolation mm -hmm. and they walked the journey with me and their family also walked with mm -hmm. me yeah all right mm -hmm. so interestingly uh, mm -hmm. living now as a post as a cancer survivor mm -hmm. uh, what was the experience like during the pandemic uh, seeing that there was a lot of information on uh, 
on COVID-19 and people living with NCDs and how it affects them mm. and knowing that you're a cancer survivor that something could happen. Uh, what was the experience? Okay, in my, my experience was uh, a bit challenging because when COVID came, people forgot about any other diseases mm. and any other things and it was so scary for us because they were, we were told those people with with underlying conditions, they were at risk of getting COVID. At the same time, they they will even die immediately after contracting uh, COVID. So I was very careful. I was scared at first. I could not even get out of my house because I was like, I had I had this condition. Even if I'm declared cancer-free, mm -hmm. my immunity is not that strong. Mm -hmm. I'm not like any other person who is out there. Maybe they have never had any problem with their health. But as for me, I'm very sensitive. I don't know what will happen. It was scary. At first, even we went to the rural home. Mm -hmm. That's when I, I was a bit calm because the, uh, in our rural area, there are no many people, mm -hmm. so you will not interact with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We were like we we were like in the house. Even people around us were scared of us <laughs> because we have come from town, mm -hmm. so we were indoors all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, what did you say were the major challenges in terms of uh, even just the stigma of? Mm -hmm. uh, coming from town and already you know having a disease the immunity is not so strong mm. how did that look like when you went now to the village you're like hey we've come here to be safe but what are the people saying people are scared of us they didn't even want to greet us it was like yeah they they, they will even pass by and talk like you have come to kill us mm -hmm. and at the same time you're feeling like i have this underlying condition mm -hmm. if they could know why i have come here they will not talk like that mm -hmm. it was so hard you know at first there were there was a lot of stigma mm -hmm. maybe f uh, when we when you come from the urban and you go to the rural area there mm -hmm. was a lot of stigma Stigma. They they were like they don't want to, to associate with you. Even if you go to a shop, they are just like you are from Nairobi. I'll not. <laughs> yeah, they were even scared of selling their things to us. Yeah. I see. So uh, I guess moving on from that is uh, even with the organization that you run now. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that we learned as a, as a people, as organizations, as societies of people living with NCDs? Do you think we learned uh, from COVID-19? And if we learned, what are the lessons that we learned that you could share? Okay, we've learned a lot of things because now we came to know that us, the people living with NCDs, we are at risk of getting other things if they come up maybe mm -hmm. our immunity is so compromised so we need to take care of ourselves more like maybe in terms of nutrition even in terms of other things because we don't know what will happen tomorrow maybe mm -hmm. there is another pandemic we don't know how to to go about it all we would like people to know is information, just get the, the right information at the right time, what to do and how to to prevent yourself from getting more complications, maybe coming with other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would you say that um, 
you've learned as a you know as an organization even mm. as an individual really mm. with ncds mm. that you could advise especially the public to mm -hmm. understand about the disease and mm. the condition and how to take care of us during events such as the pandemic okay i would like to educate masses that maybe you have this patient maybe they are suffering from this disease don't stigmatize them during certain periods just love them take care of them like in our case when we went to urban area to rural area we didn't because of the lockdown we did not even have something to eat because we stayed there there was lockdown but the people who are who are in the same situation as mine and they are in Nairobi mm -hmm. they were sending me food mm -hmm. because they they knew that I could not stay there without food mm -hmm. even it not it did not come from the family but the people maybe those who are suffering as me maybe those who have undergone cancer they understand maybe they know if i lack that food it will be even more worse, worse than it is so i'm t i would like to educate masses that even if something come up we don't know what will happen tomorrow just uh, just take care of those people who are living with cds even in terms of mental health yeah when i was there i was like it's like I was depressed somehow, mm -hmm. so my mental health was not that good. So I would encourage even the institutions to come up with a plan of helping people living with NCDs mm -hmm. in terms of their mental health, mm -hmm. their nutrition, because it's very crucial in terms of maybe there is something that has come up, they will be more prepared and more positive on what will come. All right. Mm -hmm. Last question. Mm -hmm. um, if we had another pandemic come up uh, next week, for example, mm. uh, do you think we are ready? Well, I don't think we are ready because mm. we saw what, we, what was happening. At first, you could see people wearing everything, even during the funeral. Mm. Uh, funerals, some people are buried at night. Mm. So, like now, it's like we have moved on. We don't know now what we'll do, even when another pandemic come up. So I allowed the government to put measures, to put measures to, to cushion people, even to cushion uh, the people who are uh, suffering from mm -hmm. NCDs and any other diseases because mm -hmm. we are more vulnerable. Sometimes when it comes, it hits us a lot. Cause like when the COVID came, we could not access medical mm -hmm. attention. Like mm -hmm. me, even if I'm cancer-free, I still have my clinic at mm -hmm. Kenyatta National Hospital. But like with the lockdown, mm -hmm. I could not access. Mm -hmm. So I will urge even the government to put measures where, even if there is another outbreak of something, to put measures that even people who are suffering from diabetes, from cancer, they could access medical attention even mm -hmm. during that time, not only to concentrate on the maybe a pandemic, but also to concentrate on other diseases because mm -hmm. many people passed on with other conditions because they were neglected. Mm -hmm. They concentrated so much on the COVID and forgot about other things. Mm -hmm. And even after the the pandemic is over like now we can see it's like it's coming down mm -hmm. so they are supposed to maybe come up with a plan on how to deal with 
those people who has suffered even during the COVID and after COVID, even the mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very important point that you raised that uh, the care should be, mm -hmm. the government should have a preparation plan mm -hmm. for something like this, that they're able to take care of our physical health, mm -hmm. but also that our mental health. Yeah. And then also sustain, like in mm -hmm. terms of basic needs, food mm -hmm. and shelter and clothing. Yeah, true. All right. Uh, thank you very much for coming on board and for sharing with us a bit of your experience and also a bit of your uh, lessons and learnings from the pandemic. Thank and, you. For uh, it was nice to have you. Thank you. Now that was incredible. Thank you for listening in. Share this with your networks and follow us on all social media at Storylink and at NCD champions. See you on the next one.